On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I wrap up the 2022 motorsport season. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and for the final time this season, welcome to Rev Hang. I'm your host, Nathan Nevue, and alongside me today is my fellow gearhead and co-host, Ben Bagley. How's it going, Ben? We're almost to winter break, and I am super excited to take a break from work and spend a little time with family, and tonight, I'm glad we get to talk about a little racing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the time of year where you get to kind of kick back a little bit, hopefully, uh, unless you work at Amazon. In which case, I am very sorry. <laughs> yeah, in which case, I'm expecting a package tomorrow. It better be here. <laughs> it better. Chop, chop. Um, but yeah, we're talking about some racing today. I'm already missing the racing season. It's only been, what, not even three weeks? Oh, man. <laughs> I've, I've been driving a lot really fast just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been hitting my apexes on my corners. I know it's, it's getting to that point where I'm missing F1 too much. Uh, Patient, yeah, patiently waiting for racing Santa Claus to come back in March. Yes, with the gift of Formula long, One. Long, long winter. But uh, let's not start with Formula One. We'll save that to the end because that's everybody's favorite thing to talk about. We'll start with MotoGP. Not that that's not everybody's favorite thing to <laughs> oh, talk <really>? about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this is going to be the season review of uh, kind of. Every series that we went over this season, uh, we're going to talk about MotoGP, IMSA, IndyCar, and Formula One. And um, we're not going to spend too long on the non-Formula One series since we do have so much invested in terms of predictions and all of that with uh, just with F1. So we'll kind of go through just the general how the season went and uh, go through the standings really is all we're going to do. Um, so starting with MotoGP, one of the big things this season was, uh, it was a pretty close, tight battle to the end between, uh, Banyaya, Cordoraro, and even Bastianini and Espargaro got in there at the end, or were in there for most of the season, but it was nice to see a pretty close battle throughout the, the whole season. Yeah, and being kind of like a first-time watcher of the series, it was kind of cool to see not just one or two people win it all the time, but there's a, a pretty good spread of people who are like, eh, he might, he might win this race. Uh, even though in the point standings, there's really uh, a pretty big gap between like maybe the top four and the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I was it was my first season watching MotoGP two, and it was uh, pretty enjoyable. I mean, the the races are a lot less predictable than they are in F one. Um, in terms of anything can happen at any point, it's a lot more likely that the leader will crash out of the race. I think that happened five, six, seven times this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think it's, it's got its own, uh, appeal to it in terms of racing. It's, it's a lot different than car racing. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And especially since I started riding a motorcycle, I actually found myself a lot more interested in it. Uh, once I actually did start riding and really relate to it a bit more. Yeah, I bet. I bet that would help a lot. I am hoping to get a bike, hopefully this, this upcoming spring. Yeah. We'll wink, see. wink, nudge, nudge. Now's yeah, the time we'll to see. buy a bike. It's winter. Nobody's riding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that is the, that's the goal. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good, I mean, it was a really good season all the way to the end. Uh, like I said, there was pretty much four people in the championship for most of the, most of the season. 
Alasis Pyro did a fantastic job with Aprilia. Uh, that team is not really super championship worthy. Um, and he put that bike at the front of the field uh, more often than not. So great job to Alace. Uh He had his first win this season. I don't think he got any more past that. Uh, but he had a very good season and was consistently top five. Um, Francesco Bagnaia also mounted a great comeback in the last few races to snatch the championship from Corderaro. Um, Corderaro pretty had, had a pretty bad run at the end, had a couple of really key DNFs that, um, probably lost him the championship, but it would have been close either way. Yeah, he was so strong at the start. Yeah. But, yeah. It's kind of cool to see somebody just come up from behind like that and sweep it away yeah for sure um so we'll go through the championship standings real quick uh, in first place winning the championship was francesco bagnaia followed by fabio corderaro and Enea bastianini in the top three four and five were elisa spargaro and jack miller six through ten was brad bender alex rins johan zarco jorge martin and miguel Oliveira. 11 through 15 was Maverick Vinales, Luca Marini, Mark Marquez, Marco Bedzecchi, and Juan Mir. 16 through 20 was Paul Aspergero, Alex Marquez, Taka Nakagami, Franco Morbidelli, and Fabio Di Gian Antonio. 21 through 25 was Andrea Davizioso, Raul Fernandez, Remy Gardner, Darren Bender, Cal Crutchlow. Um, yep. And then 26 through 30 was Stefan Bradel. Michelle Pirro, Lorenzo Savadori, Tetsuda Nagashima, and Danilo Petrucci, and then rounding off the field at 31 and 32 are Kazuki Watanabe and Takuya Suda. God, there's so many so many riders. Yeah, lots of lots of riders. We had 32 this year. Um, lots of substitutions, especially at the end. We got a lot more Japanese drivers in. Yeah. Yeah, I will say another thing that I took away from MotoGP. I'm not as afraid to crash on my bike after seeing some of the crashes these guys had. Yeah? Are you wearing armor and all that? I'm, yeah, I have, like, a jacket and the pants and all that. I don't have the fancy, like, auto-inflating airbag or, like, the right. neck device or anything <laughs> like that. But, you know, I feel like I, I could survive a pretty good tumble compared to what these guys go through. Yeah, probably. Um, And you're not, you're not like, driving a... You're not riding a street fighter, are you? Isn't it more of a touring? No, I have an adventure bike. Oh, an adventure bike. Oh. Yeah. Well, Although, granted, go. if I crash my bike, it's not really going to be prepared or uh, repaired by the Suzuki factory team mm. on their dime, so. <laughs> That's true. It might be a little more expensive than that. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so that was MotoGP for this season. Um, really fun to get into it and watch it a little bit. Uh, IMSA is up next. We have two races that uh, we need to catch up on since the mid-season review. The uh, first one was the Michelin GT Challenge in Danville, Virginia at Virginia International Raceway. This was a two-hour and 40-minute race and was GTD and GTD Pro only. We didn't have any prototype cars. Wow. Um, the main uh, factors in this race, DeFilippi and Taylor kind of ran away with it in the beginning uh, in the GTD Pro category. They maintained a 10-second lead until... With about an hour left in the race, a caution and a restart dropped them back to third. Uh, Matthew Jaminet took over the lead for the rest of the race and uh, drove off across the finish line. Uh, 
There's a lot of tough racing in the GTD class too, with lots of light contact between pretty much all of the drivers. Uh, the guy that won the GTD class actually had a moment where he got tagged by another car off the track and ended up riding around with, or driving around with a uh, um, like a cardboard sign across the front of his car blocking his intake. <laughs> he was able to continue for a couple laps, but uh, had to pit because his car started overheating, understandably. They didn't pull him over because of, like, a debris safety or anything like that you just they did throw the <laughs> they threw the yellow flag for debris eventually oh okay <laughs> i was gonna say it's like I, that's really surprising that he was able to drive around in his car overheated before they pulled him off yeah <laughs> uh so the results for this race in the gtd pro category in first place was matt campbell and matthew jaminet in second place was antonio garcia and jordan taylor and in third place was jack hawksworth and ben barnicote in the GTD class, in first place was Russell Ward and Philip Ellis. Second place was Roman DeAngelis and Maxime Martin. Third place was Brian Sellers and Madison Snow. Uh, rounds off the Michelin GT Challenge. Let's move on to the Petit Le Mans at Road America in Brazelton, Georgia. Hi, this is Future Nathan. I meant to say Road Atlanta, not Road America. Silly me. Back to the show. This is a 10-hour race, a uh, little less than half of, of the Le Mans race. Uh, and uh, another thing to note is this track is quite a bit shorter than the Le Mans track. So with every single class on the track at the same time, the, the, the track was pretty chaotic with lap traffic and all of that. Bamber and Blomkvist battled in the DPI class early on in the race. It's pretty fun to watch. They uh, went back and forth quite a bit. Uh, Bamber did start to pull away, though, in the middle of the race. Most of the racing, like I said, was in chaotic lap traffic because all, all the classes were running uh, this week. Every class had close racing at the top, which made each class fun to watch individually. Um, you know, you could watch <laughs> any one of the classes, and there's two cars within a second of each other battling for the lead. It was, um, I mean, no matter which way you went, it was, it was pretty nail-biting. Um, in the last hour, both Chip Ganassi Racing prototype cars ran into each other and took themselves out of the race for the lead. <laughs> Incredible. Yep. <laughs> I think that happened in IndyCar this year, too. Yeah, um, that seems like a, a Chip Ganassi Racing moment. Yep. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the race, Albuquerque made a run for the lead against Blomqvist, about 15 minutes left, but he hit a lapped car and sustained race-ending damage, what? which was pretty tragic. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so the results for this race in the DPI class. In first place was Oliver Jarvis, Tom Blomqvist, and Helio Castro-Neves. Second place was Olivier Pla, Pipo Durrani, and Mike Conway. Third place was Mike Rockefeller, Kamui Kobayashi, and Jimmy Johnson. Really love seeing all the IndyCar drivers. Oh yeah, once the They're... season ends, they all just go over to DPI and uh, endurance. Yeah, and they generally do pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, in the LMP2 class, uh, first place was John Ferrano, Louis and Louis Delatraz, and Rui Andrade. Uh, second place was Henrik Hedman, Juan Pablo Montoya, and Sebastian Montoya. It's good to see them finally have a good race. Finally. Um, Third place was Stephen Thomas, Josh Pearson, and Tristan Nunez. LMP3, first place was Jarrett Andretti, Gabby Chavez, and Josh Burden. 
Second place was Ari Ballo, Garrett Grist, and Nolan Siegel. Third place was Joel Barbosa, Malta Jakobsen, and Nicholas Pino. <laughs> In the GTD Pro class, first place was Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnacote, and Kyle Kirkwood. Second place was Connor DeFilippi, John Edwards, and Jesse Crone. Third place was Matt Campbell, Matthew Jaminet, and Felipe Nazer. In the GTD class to round things off, first place was Kiffin Simpson, Till Beck... Oh, gosh. Beck Dilsheimer <laughs> and Mario Farnbacher. Second place was Brendan Arib, Jordan Lee Pepper, and Sebastian Prio, I think. <laughs> uh... Third place was Robbie Foley, Bill Alberlin, and Michael Dynan. Or, I got yeah. you working overtime on that one. Boy, some of these names. Um, you handled Prio <laughs> better than I would have. Yeah, I think that's close enough to to write. Sebastian um, P. Yeah, we'll go with that. So that rounds off the Petit Le Mans race. Uh, now we'll go through the championship standings at the end. Winning the DPI class was Oliver Jarvis and Tom Blomkvist. Second place was Ricky Taylor and Felipe Albuquerque. Uh, third place was Ranger van der Zand and Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, in LMP2, at the end of the season, first place was John Ferrano. Second place was Dwight Merriman and Ryan DL. Third place was Stephen Thomas. I don't know why in these lower... Um, prototype classes <laughs> there's some single drivers i'd imagine it's because they had like they switched off teammates at some points in the season so the teammates didn't get the same amount of points that they did they missed cuffing um, season yeah that's that's what it was <laughs> um so yep <laughs> there's that uh lmp3 well, uh, the winner was john bennett and colin brown second place was gary robinson Third place was Ari Ballo and Gary Grist. GTD Pro, the winner, the winners were Matt Campbell and Matthew Jaminet. They won, it seemed like, almost every single race. Yep. Um, second place was Ben Barnicote. And third place was Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor. Finally, in the GTD class, at the end of the season, the winner was Ramon DeAngelis. Second was Ryan Hardwick and Jan Halen. And third was Stephen McAleer. All right. That uh, kind of rounds off IMSA for this year. Uh, it was... <laughs> those races are long, and they are kind of hard to write about. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, like, it's one of those things where I really wanted to be able to say, I was like, oh, yeah, I watched the whole race, and it was super cool, but... More often than not, I would watch the start of the race. I would go and, you know, make some coffee and eat lunch and do something else. i come back to it after, you know, hour or so and see if there are any crashes. You know, come back to it every hour until, like, the last 15 minutes and then see what's still going on. Yeah. That's the fun thing about IMSA and WEC also is you can turn the race on and have it kind of going in the background all day while you're getting things done. Uh, but it's a really really hard series to follow closely for an extended period of time and uh it's kind of hard to go through standings when there's three drivers per car yeah um, yeah i want to try watching it more just to kind of figure out who the drivers are but it changes so often and there's so many and there's true. so many different per class it's yeah, definitely I, a, a really high cost of entry 
in terms of how much mind share it takes, but one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I enjoy it also because, uh, so many IndyCar drivers, like you said, take part in this. And then you have former F1 drivers like Kamui Kobayashi, H- Helio Castro Neves, like, um, it's just a lot of a lot of the older racing generation that's kind of out of their prime, kind of battling it out in the uh, in the prototype cars, and I think um, it's a lot of fun to watch because you see a lot of great drivers from a lot of different backgrounds. Definitely, it's definitely some of the, the best racing you get to see, especially at the start and the end. Absolutely, it's so aggressive, especially at the end. It's aggressive. They're, yeah, they're just going at it. Everyone's tired. They're irritable by the end, depending on where they're at. Yeah, the reason uh, it's so aggressive too, I think, is because there's so few races in the season. Like, I think, yeah. like prototype cars only had maybe seven or eight races this season, and so every single race counts so much. Yeah, and you have time to repair damage if you get damaged. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely conducive to risk taking. We'll call it. Absolutely. Alrighty, let's move on to IndyCar. Uh, some major talking points from this IndyCar season was a really tight championship battle to the end. It was a lot of fun to watch. I really enjoyed watching IndyCar this year, and uh, I can't wait for it to start up again next season. Um, most of the races were actually really exciting this year, which uh, I was actually kind of surprised by, because when I've tried to watch IndyCar in the past, generally I'm pretty bored, but I think that was also before I was super into racing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it was really good to see a lot of exciting races this year. We didn't have a lot of wet races. We had the one at Indianapolis and uh, also the one in Nashville. But um, other than that, it was mostly dry, which um, it was interesting that we we still had a lot of great races with no weather. Yeah, um, I definitely prefer dry IndyCar racing. I know that's kind of a thing in Formula One where rain's the great equalizer and it's cool to see rain races. But IndyCar, I think I definitely prefer in the dry conditions. I think so too, yeah. Um, so, also this season, Will Power broke the pole position record. I forgot to include the number. I think it's in the high 50s or low 60s. Um, he uh, took that record from Mario Andretti, the IndyCar and Formula One legend. Um, so, pretty awesome stuff from him. He also managed to take home the championship this season with a whopping one win, <laughs> but really consistently at the top. Um, Joseph yeah. Newgarden, on the other hand, is still hunting for that third championship, even though he managed to win five races this year. Oh, he was so close. I know. I mean, I it's he just he was so when he was having a bad day, he was so far down, which is why yeah, he, lost. he did really well and was just absolutely clawing his way through the field every race. Or he, <laughs> was, he was doing like the exact opposite of that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So if he can manage to nail down that consistency a little more next season, I'm sure he's going to be a, another championship contender again. But that's the that's the other thing I like uh, about IndyCar as opposed to Formula One too is that everybody's in the same machinery. So at, at the beginning of the season, like really anybody can win the championship. Yeah, and it's it's just you just don't feel like that in F1. Like I, there's. Pretty much no shot Nico Hulkenberg is the 2023 F1 champion. Like, I'm sorry, but that's just not going to happen. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it would mean that he probably got on a podium at some point, which would be pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, and I like how it comes down to also being able to balance being really good on street courses and really good on ovals. Like, Roman Grosjean's pretty good on street courses, but really fell behind in the ovals. Uh, Yeah. Same for a couple of drivers. Takuma Sato. Yeah, Takuma Sato. Marcus Erickson did really well at the Indy 500, but uh, just wasn't able to put it together everywhere. So yeah, it's kind of cool to need that balance. Yeah. Erickson was leading the championship for a while after that Indy 500 win, but he couldn't really put in any stellar performances aside from that. No. Um, which was kind of unfortunate because I wanted, I really wanted him to win. The The guy gets booted from F1 if he got went in one Indy car. That'd be so cool. That would have been, yeah, that would have been pretty sweet. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, is he still, does he have a seat for next year? Uh, he retired. He, he yeah, stepped he down. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was hearing. Yeah. So, uh, he is actually, I don't remember. For some reason, it, something in my mind is telling me he's doing ovals only next year. I know Takuma Sato is doing that. I don't, uh, I don't remember. He might do an oval next year. He might do the 500. That might be everyone wants thinking, to do the 500. I would do the 500 if I was. I sister. would do the 500 too, <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> uh, Danny Ricardo might not do the 500 because apparently Opal scare him. <laughs> um, which Lando Norris wants to do the 500 though. I heard. Oh, he so does, and I think I think deep down Max Verstappen wants a triple crown. I think that's what he's gonna do after F1. That'd be so he's cool. He's gonna go for the triple crown because he's I would already... love to see if he could actually compete in an oval. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Lando has already been practicing it on iRacing like a lot. <laughs> so uh, McLaren's he takes not going to the... let, let him do the Indy 500. Not over Monaco, no. Because <laughs> they're always the same day. It's always Memorial Day. So Yeah, plus the, the practice sessions and all that. Coupled yeah. with the fact that their other driver has, is in his rookie season in F1. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's gonna. Yeah, they're not gonna Lando take Norris Lando. is going to be a busy McLaren driver this coming year. He has no time for that. Give him yeah. like seven years. In seven years, maybe he will finally do an oval. Maybe we'll see. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be fun to watch the careers of all of these drivers after they leave F one eventually. Uh, but it seems like the grid is pretty young right now. But I feel like the the. Uh, most of the talent coming up is like going to start pushing people out. Um, so we'll see what happens. I don't know. I think we've got a pretty solid grid for the next couple years. Fernando um, Alonso's, I mean, he has a couple years, but after that. Yeah. I think 2026 is when things are going to start kicking off because everybody's going to retire. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But anyway. Uh, before we get into F1, let's talk about the... We'll go over the championship standings for IndyCar. Uh, winning the championship, like we said, was Will Power. Second and third place were Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon. Four and five were Scott McLaughlin and Alex Pillow. Six through ten was Marcus Erickson, Pato Award, uh, Alex Rossi, Felix Rosenqvist, and Colton Herta. Eleven through fifteen was Graham Rahal, Renas VK, Roman Grosjean, Christian Lungard, and Simon Pagino. 
16 through 20 was David Malukas, Connor Daly, Helio Castro Neves, Takuma Sato, and Callum Eilat. 21 through 25 was Jimmy Johnson, Jack Harvey, Devlin DeFrancesco, Kyle Kirkwood, and Dalton Kellett. 26 through 30 was Tony Kanan, Ed Carpenter, Santino Ferrucci, Tatiana Calderon, and J.R. Hildebrand. And rounding off the list, uh, 31 through 35 were Juan Pablo Montoya, Simona, uh, uh, Simona de Silvestro, Marco Andretti, Sage Karam, and Stefan Wilson. All right. Lots of drivers. <laughs> so many. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to Formula One and okay. uh, get talking about this. We'll go through basically like we did with all the other series, the talking points of the season and uh, the championship standings. And then we'll have some paddock news. And then uh, we are going to go into our predictions and talk about those. Very exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. So this season, some of the talking points. Verstappen was absolutely dominant for the whole thing. Uh, well, not the whole thing. The beginning, it looked like Ferrari might want to run away with it, but that did not happen. I was so um, excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and then Ferrari did Ferrari things. Um, but yeah, Verstappen, at least like the last two-thirds of the season, was just so dominant. Um, Mercedes fell off at the beginning of the season, but was able to claw their way back to be pretty competitive, and I'd say fighting pretty much for the lead of, of uh, some of the races, especially like in Brazil when they won. Um, but they have a car that is uh, at least a front runner now, I'd say, rather than kind of just top of the midfield. Yeah, too bad it took them all the way until the last three races of the season to do it. Yep. Um, but one thing to note is they basically have said that their car design was flawed and they know exactly why, and they're going to fix it uh, for next season. And so I anticipate mercedes doing very 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 well next season where do you think the chances are they're lying um it's possible they could be i I don't know i just i feel like with toto wolf in charge and lewis hamilton and george russell there uh how could they not (laughs) be (laughs) like bounce back you know yeah um no, but I have see. all confidence that they probably haven't fixed the problem, but there's a little bit in the back of my mind. It's like, what if they're fronting? What if they don't fix the awesome. car next year? What Maybe. if it's worse? I anticipate almost, I, I think it's very possible we have a kind of 2016 repeat where we have, we'll throw Verstappen in there, but you have Russell and Hamilton battling for the championship or at least close, to, close up to the top there. And, uh, they start to get toxic like uh, Hamilton and Rosberg did. I would be really interested to see that. I feel like Hamilton's definitely come a long way since then in terms of like his maturity level. Yeah. As a driver, uh, I think George Russell might... He could definitely sustain something like that, but I don't know if Lewis Hamilton, especially after having that thing with Rosberg, I don't know if he's as uh, prone to getting into stuff like that anymore. We'll see. At least that's my hope. I don't know. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, so moving on to Ferrari. Ferrari was an absolute disaster this season. Um, <laughs> they've got <laughs> they had so many problems with pit stops and strategy and engineers and 
Mattia Bonotto. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> everything kind of went wrong for them this season. And I feel bad for Leclerc especially because he probably could have fought for the title. Yeah. Hopefully he gets another chance this coming season. Yep, and hopefully, he does. Hopefully the team and the drivers are a bit more prepared for the kind of mentality that it takes to win the championship. I think there's a good possibility they will be, and we'll get into that a little more in a little bit. Ooh, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, reliability played a major role this season, more than most seasons. Uh, Red Bull kept blowing up at the beginning of the season. That's why they kind of fell behind a little bit, is because they couldn't figure out how why their cars were not making it to the end of races. Um. <laughs> But they got that solved pretty quickly, and then the problem started for Ferrari, and they just had engine failures at the most inopportune times. Uh, Carlos Sainz was fighting for a podium in Austria when his engine <laughs> forcibly blew up, um, and Leclerc was leading the race in Spain when his engine gave. He was, I think, second in Baku when his engine blew. Um, so lots of points left on the board for Ferrari. Yeah, especially with so many pole positions. Yeah, they had they had such a fast car in qualifying, they just could not make it translate to the consistency you need to win a win. win yeah, can't talk. The consistency you need to win a race. Um, but hopefully they can get that uh, solved and buttoned up next season because I'd love to see Ferrari at the top. Uh, it's been what fifteen years now since they've won a championship, and that doesn't that doesn't really feel right. <laughs> for it being yeah. Ferrari, which is like the most legendary F1 team of all time. Yeah, 15 years ago when I was 8 in 8th or 3rd grade was the last time they won a championship. Yeah. I'd say it's it's definitely time. Yeah, Kimi Raikkonen was the last Ferrari champion. My hero. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, let's talk about our favorite races this season. I have... Uh, kind of got a couple i can't really choose between i thought britain was awesome um the u.s was also very good and brazil those are kind of the top three that stand out to me yeah i think the u.s gp was definitely one of my favorites that i can recall yeah uh, and then there's another one i can't remember i'll leave it at the us gp not leave it with the U.S. Just, just stick to yeah. one one really good one. There you go. Sounds good. Yeah, there were a lot of good races this season. Um, there weren't too many boring races. There were a couple. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but uh, overall, I think it was pretty entertaining. I just wish the title battle was a little closer. I think that would have added some, some drama. Um, but, you know, we can't all have... I think we were spoiled by 2021 a little bit. Um, yeah, 2021 was absolutely loaded. Not necessarily in terms of really, really excellent, exciting races. Uh, towards the end, it definitely was, because the, the battle between Hamilton versus Stappen was really close. Yeah. But I think the racing was more consistently exciting this year. I would agree with that. Especially uh, yeah, in the midfield. So. Yeah, the cars seemed a lot closer, and they could follow a lot closer, too, but uh, through corners, so... Um, racing was definitely better, especially, yeah, like you said, in the midfield. Yeah, uh, I remember, uh, what was that first race where we had four cars all battling for first place? 
by the last lap. Which one was uh, that? Which one was that? Four four cars battling for first place on the last lap. I don't remember. I think, I think it was earlier in the season. Was it? Probably yeah. was. It seems so long ago. It was a yeah. long time ago. What it was a long time about? ago for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was definitely definitely a good season. Um and I am definitely looking forward to the future of F one. Uh, with Audi coming in, and uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. Um, yeah, lots of rumors terms, to talk about when we get to it. Oh, yes. Uh, in terms of what to look forward to next year, I would say there's some spicy driver pairings that mm-hmm. uh, are going to be very, very fun to watch. I think, like I said, Hamilton Russell might get spicy. Verstappen Perez could uh, after Brazil. Hawk uh, mm. Gasly will probably be spicy. Um, and Vettel then, Stroll or not Vettel Stroll uh, Alonzo Alonso. Stroll Alonzo Stroll we've got Hulkenberg and Magnussen like it's there's a <laughs> lot of uh, there's a lot of good ones and then you've got Norris and Piastri and Piastri's like this huge talent that's got something to prove and you know like it could be, it could be very interesting yeah Norris definitely has kind of I don't want to call it a chip on his shoulder but after uh, outperforming Ricardo two seasons in a row, I, I would bet he's probably uh, feeling pretty good. So I'd, I'd be interested to see if Piastri can uh, challenge that a little bit and see what would happen. Yeah, that'd be very interesting to see. Um, so I think that's kind of what I look forward to most for next season is the, the driver pairings. And then, of course, all the points go to zero. It's a new championship, a new story. Uh, and that's just fun to watch. I feel like I, I enjoy that. I feel like I enjoy the season the most at the beginning of the season when it's all still nebulous. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that too. Back in the, at the start of the season when we thought Haas had a chance of winning the midfield. <laughs> like, God, yo, Haas legit times. might actually be fifth place this year. What? Oh, <laughs> uh, that was just like one race. Yeah. Uh, bummer. But, um, yeah, it'll be fun to see. Uh, so let's move uh, on to the championship standings real quick for the driver's championship and first place was Max Verstappen uh, followed second third was Leclerc and Perez fourth and fifth were Russell and Sainz six through ten were Hamilton Norris Ocon Alonso and Bottas 11 through 15 were Ricardo Vettel Magnussen Gasly and Stroll 16 through 20 were Schumacher Tsunoda Joe, Albon, and Latifi, and then 21st place with two points, our boy Nick DeVries. Not a kid. <laughs> uh, so, Constructors' Championship, winning the championship by 205 points was Red Bull Racing. Um, second place was Ferrari, and third place was Mercedes, and they actually finished a lot closer than I thought they did. Um, they were only separated by 39 points, it looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, that started to close up at the end. Uh, fourth place was Alpine. Fifth was McLaren. Sixth was Alfa Romeo. Seven was Aston Martin. Eight was Haas. Ninth was Alfa Torre. And tenth was Williams. Alfa Torre uh, had a bummer of a year. <laughs> yeah, they, they just faded into the background so quickly. Yeah. It was, it's kind of strange, like, seeing Gasly so far back every time because of, like, last, last year in 2021, he was so, so fast. 
Yeah, especially seeing Sinoda at the start of the season, really challenging Gasly. Yeah. Uh, and having some really good races, and then all of a sudden they both just fell off. Yeah. Um, so that's the F1 championships uh, wrapped up for this season. Uh, we'll move on to our paddock news segment. Uh, first off, Mattia Bonotto, Ferrari's team principal, uh, resigned and was replaced by Fred Vasseur of Alfa Romeo. Filling Vasseur's spot at Alfa, well, actually not. <laughs> I don't know who their, Alfa still doesn't know who their team principal is, but the McLaren team principal, Andreas Seidel, has stepped away from McLaren and become Sauber's CEO and will oversee the Audi takeover. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to uh, see how that all works out. I don't know if I don't know if he's going to act as the team principal as well as the CEO. I don't know what's the what the plan is there, but we'll see. Uh, he is a genius, um, very very uh, well regarded in the F1 community, and so I think he will do great things with Audi. Yep. Uh, so to replace him, McLaren has called up Andrea Stella, who has worked his way up through the ranks in the team. I really like that they've hired from within. I think that just goes with McLaren's kind of um, how they want to portray themselves as kind of a family. It seems like. Yeah, yeah. There's so, they have there's such a far-reaching team across like IndyCar and uh, F1 and all these different Formula E, and it's kind of cool to see so much like interchangeability within that. They have yeah. so many places to hire people from. For sure. Um. So, in other news, team principal-wise, Williams team principal, Yas Capito, and Williams technical director, Francois-Javier de Maison, have left the team. <laughs> nice. Um, I don't know if I said that even close to right, but that's a very French name, and I had it to sounded try. sounded cool. Yeah. Um, Do you know why Capito I, left? Uh, Capito, I believe, just retired. I think okay. the deal was... He was on his way into retirement, and Doralton Capital convinced him not to, to take over the Williams team. Uh, and um, so that's that's why he was hired when uh, the Williams family left. Mm. Uh, they convinced him basically not to retire, and I think after finishing last, basically, in the, <laughs> in the last couple seasons, uh, <laughs> I think he's just decided, yeah, this ain't for me. He's tired. Yeah, he's like, let me just go retire. I don't blame him. Um but we'll see what happens there. Uh, hopefully they don't pick up Bonato. I don't think that's what they need. Could you imagine? Oh, my gosh. Actually, uh, I want that to happen. I think that would be hilarious. That would be really funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see. And also, I forgot to include this on news, but we did just hear a couple days ago that uh, the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix will be the season opener uh, in 2024. Oh, yeah, I, d I did see something about that. How do you feel so, about it? Uh, I think their reason... Well, I don't really care, aside from I think their reasoning is a lie. Because they said at Saudi Arabia that they wanted to have that earlier time slot because they don't want to race during Ramadan. But they just took the time slot away from Bahrain, which is another Muslim country. <laughs> uh, so I don't really understand their, their reasoning there. But, I mean... I guess it, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm not really upset by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually a pretty good... I, I think it's a decent track in terms of the entertainment that 
gen- tends to happen. It's kind of a different race. It, it tends to be more of a DRS game rather than uh, like a traditional street race, I guess. You have to really yeah. watch where you are, where your opponent is, and um, it creates these interesting tactics that we've seen the last couple of years we've raced there. Yeah, as, as like one of the faster circuits, I do like it for that. Yeah. Also, yeah, yeah, drivers driving new cars that they haven't driven at one of the most difficult circuits on the calendar, starting their easy the race year Very off. Cool. <laughs> it's like awesome. I can't wait to see a Ferrari just freaking blow up on the main street. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, but yeah, so that uh, wraps up the paddock news. Uh, we'll go over the pit stop championship standings now, uh, since that was a segment that uh, we included every time. Uh, in first place for the drivers was Sergio Perez, uh, winning by 130 points. <laughs> uh, second place was Verstappen, followed by Tsunoda and Gasly, and Norris in fifth. Six through ten was Vettel, Leclerc, Sainz, Hamilton, and Alonso. Eleven through fifteen was Stroll, Ricardo, Russell, Latifi, and Acon. 16 through 20 was Albon, Joe, Batas, Magnussen, and Schumacher. And in 21st place, our boy, Nico Hulkenberg. <laughs> uh, the Constructors' Championship was won by Red Bull, followed by AlphaTauri and Ferrari. Uh, 4th and 5th were Aston Martin and McLaren. 5 through 10 was Mercedes, Alpine, Williams, Alfa Romeo, and finally Haas. Oh, reliable. Haas coming in last, no matter yep. how uh, arbitrary <laughs> the competition. <laughs> yep. Um, so now let's move on to the predictions that we set at the beginning of the season and also the predictions that we made midway through the season. Oh, brother. Uh, lots of red on our screens here. Uh, <laughs> this is really bad. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but uh, So let's go through... The our constructors championship predictions. I'll let you go first. Just go through your top ten. Okay, I got Red Bull correct. They did come in first. Uh, my second place I had was Mercedes, followed by Ferrari in third. Uh, then McLaren, Aston Martin, Alpine, AlphaTauri, Haas, Williams, and Alfa Romeo. I did get Haas correct in eighth. I wish that I didn't. <laughs> um, but that's the way the cookie crumbles so I, I got first place and eighth place in overall constructors correct there you go very cool um, my top ten was I had Ferrari winning it all followed by Red Bull and Mercedes <laughs> in third I got Mercedes correct in third place uh, then I had McLaren fourth followed by AlphaTauri, Aston Martin Williams, Alpine, Haas and Alfa Romeo I predicted the Williams comeback uh, incorrectly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was hoping. Um, but uh, yeah, Alfa Romeo did a lot better than I I think both. Well, yeah, both of us thought they were going to do. Yeah. Um, so, yep, I got I got third place and you got first and eighth. So you take that round. Okay, but the driver championship comes up. Driver's that, championship. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to list them all out because that's a lot needless yep. to say. I got Verstappen right and nothing else. Yep. <laughs> I got <laughs> Verstappen and Leclerc right, so I had Verstappen, Leclerc 1-2. And I got Lando Norris right in 7th place and nothing else. Uh, what a but... weird thing to get right. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. But um, 
I mean, I don't think either of us were too far off. I think we overestimated Alpha Tori, it looks like. We both thought Gasly was going to be way higher. Um, I think we both, at least I vastly underestimated Alpine. Oh, yeah. Did you? Uh, Alonso? Oh, yeah. Well, you had. Yeah. Well, uh, you underestimated Alcon. So did I. Yeah. Oh, I thought Alonso was. I underestimated Alpine. I thought Alonso was going to be fifteenth. Oh. Oh yeah, Oof. I see that now. Woof. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I was wrong. I'll take that L. Yeah, um, and uh, definitely overestimated Ricardo. I had him at seventh. Well, he yeah. Poor guy. Poor guy. Um. All right. So, <laughs> I guess I'll take that round, but I don't think we're keeping score. Um, total safety cars and virtual safety cars. This one was kind of tough to predict at the beginning of the season. What did you go with? I went with 22, which was not enough. No, I went with 34, which was almost enough. You were close. <laughs> I was close. That was, that was yeah. a good guess. We had 37 uh, total safety cars and virtual safety cars. Let it be noted... If a virtual safety car turned into a safety car, I just counted that as a safety car. Okay. Um, but uh, if you if it was just total safety cars and you guessed 22, Ben, you would have been spot on. There were 22 really? safety cars. Yep. <laughs> I'll take that one. There you go. Um, yeah, fastest laps. How about that one? Most fastest laps. Um, I went with Leclerc. <laughs> what? Do you remember what I was thinking when I put Norris? I think we were both thinking that McLaren was going to be fast and Norris was going to be the faster driver. Uh, and then Bahrain happened and we both got really scared because they both <laughs> they finished like 18th and 19th or something like that. Dang it, McLaren sucks this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, McLaren's the new Haas. I remember that meme was going around. Yeah. I was like, oh, please, no. I don't want to be a McLaren fan right now. I remember that they got such better. a swing from... Uh, last season too because there are yeah, some memes going around like midway through last season just like Mercedes is no longer the fastest Mercedes powered car yeah. on the track McLaren is yeah exactly because McLaren is just swooping stuff up but uh yeah, yeah that didn't happen so Verstappen no. had the most fastest laps obviously Verstappen did yep he had the most fastest laps uh, so neither of us got that total different race winners what'd you put Ben Man, I was so optimistic about this. I thought there were going to be 10 different race winners. I was hoping you were right, man. But, it's like, man, uh, brand new cars, brand new season, driver changes. This could be great. Could be. But I went with six, and the correct answer was five. Five different yeah. race winners. That really puts it in perspective, especially after just talking about IndyCar. Yeah. So our race winners this season was it was uh, both Red Bulls, both Ferraris, and George Russell. And George Russell. And George Russell. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, his first season without a win. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Does that um, include his rookie season, too? Did he yep. really? His No, he almost won the championship his rookie season. Oh, you're right. He was part I of that. He had his... one season before that where he... Huh. No. Uh, so, yeah, kind of a bummer for him to break that streak. But, um, you know, that's that's racing. Um. Fastest pit stop team. Uh, you went. You, you took. You played it safe. <laughs> oh, reliable. Yeah, you went with Red Bull. Uh, playing it safe. 
and I went with Williams going out on a limb, and it ended up being McLaren. So <laughs> I'll let, I'll say that you were closer on that one than I did. I don't know. I mean, McLaren Red Bull was by far the fastest pit stop team, and if like in terms of the championship, like in all the races combined, but yeah. McLaren had the fastest pit stop this season, and that's what I was going for. I don't remember that. The oh. fastest pit stop it was in Mexico. Oh, I do it was remember like a, that now. It was like a 1.92 or something like that. Something yeah, they finally broke the two second. Yeah. Um, so that uh, rounds off the predictions that we made at the beginning of the season. Needless to say, they were all incorrect, pretty much. <laughs> um, but still fun. Still fun to go through what we thought and what actually happened. Um, we'll do better next season. Or this coming no, season. we won't. We will. What? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, Look, that's we, fine we, too. We, we kept saying we're gonna get better throughout the whole season, and every every episode, <laughs> it's just all red all the time. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, we do, but I'm not optimistic. I will speak it to power. <laughs> do it. Um. So let's move on to the predictions we made over the summer break. Uh, there were nine races left in the season at this point. So let's go total DNFs for the remaining nine races. What did you say, Ben? I said there are going to be 18 DNFs for those last races. Okay. And I said 25, and it ended Again. up being 27. You were so close. I was pretty close. <laughs> I was hoping to, like, nail one of these, but it just didn't happen. Um, the team with the most DNFs. I went with Ferrari because I thought I was going with a safe bet. Yeah, I did the same thing for Alfa Romeo. I figured yeah. that if Joe Grandu uh, DNF'd every race, which it seemed like he was going to, yep. uh, that would seal the deal. But Alpine just came out of nowhere with a couple of double <laughs> DNFs, just out of left field, really went for it. So I got to respect him for that. Yeah, they had, I believe they had five DNFs in the last nine races. <laughs> there um, was a fi- essentially over a 50% chance that one of their cars would not finish the race. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bad, it was bad. Alonzo, I think, had like four of the five. It was, or no, because there were two double DNFs, so. Um, yeah. But Alonzo still got the short end of the stick on that. It was rough. Yeah, I remember at the start of the season, Verstappen, for those first what was it, like three or four races? Just would either win or just wouldn't finish at all. <laughs> yeah, he won every race that he finished. <laughs> that that went on for quite a while. It did I go on. I remember trying for... to keep track of that. I think it went on for, yeah, six or seven races, I think. It was pretty crazy. Um, But, yeah, so driver with the most pole positions. I went with oh, Leclerc. I got, I got that one. You did? Uh, it, was, it was Verstappen. It, it was Verstappen. Leclerc was really close, wasn't he? Uh, I think it was one less, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, definitely went to Verstappen. Actually, no. Verstappen had five pole positions. I think Leclerc had, like, three. And then uh, Kevin Magnussen had the other one. Which okay. feels weird to say, but... <laughs> <laughs> that one... Uh, I will... Right. As cool as it was, I will say that was kind of a technicality, I think. Yeah, it was. It was, but it was still really cool. <laughs> Nonetheless, yeah. Um, so, most consistent driver, what we did for this is I went and put in a big giant matrix the 
finishing position of every single driver at the last nine races and then I just did a bunch of standard deviation calculations. Um, so most consistent driver is the driver with the lowest standard deviation of finishing order of the uh, finishing positions and uh, vice versa least consistent has the highest standard deviation. And okay. these are using, very... You're using statistics? Yes, using actual oh statistics. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, these are very interesting. Very interesting. Um, so most consistent driver, my guess, was George Russell. And I put Esteban Ocon. Yeah. But it actually went to Charles Leclerc. There's... Mm, I, I need to see your spreadsheet. Uh, here's there's, there's no... There's no way. Like, uh, most consistent for... Mm. I guess I, I mean, can kind of see it, but... Let me pull it up for you, Ben. I'm uh, so... I'm so intrigued. Yeah, no, I was like, there's no way this is real. I'll... Um, I'll I, I mean, I, I trust your math. You're probably better for it than I am. Well... You, you had, I mean, all I did was I did the standard deviation function and dragged the thing across. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Excel makes that pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, me, I'll send you the spreadsheet later. Yeah, um, let me take this to JMP 9.0 and I'll plug that in. I use the, <laughs> the high tier like corporate statistical analysis software and see what happens. Yeah, put it in Wolfram Alpha and see what it says. Wolfram Alpha is not. It's not gonna no. do that. <laughs> no, it's not gonna do that. It's not that kind of thing. But I'll I'll show you I'll show you JMP sometimes. That please do. That'll that that'll make you realize that Excel is good for making pretty things, but it's so dumb. Yeah, it'll change your life. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. Um, so yeah. Anyways, most consistent driver according to my calculations was Charles Leclerc. Uh, and least consistent driver, my guess was Yuki Sonoda. And I had Valtteri Bottas. Yes, the least, con least consistent driver was actually Carlos Sainz, the other Ferrari driver. That one makes sense. That one does make sense because he finished at the top of the field a bunch and then had also two DNFs out of the nine races. Yep. So, standard deviation wise, he was kind of just screwed with those DNFs because DNFs count as wherever the, the finishing position was. Mm. So in Japan and uh, the U.S., he was the first DNF, so he finished 20th both of those races. Woof. Yeah. Um, so that's what happened there. Most consistent team, same thing, but we uh, factored in the finishing positions of both drivers. Uh, yeah, I went I with Red Mercedes. Bull. I had yeah. Mercedes for that, which I thought yeah. was going to be a shoe win. Yeah, actually, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, apparently not. I got it right. I said Red Bull. Uh, I uh, they just they destroyed the last half of the season, so um, that's what happened there. Least consistent team. We both guessed Ferrari, uh, <laughs> with I think good cause. Yeah, uh, Leclerc's the one who saved that, I guess. Uh, Ferrari was second place in terms of least consistent team. They were second worst. Um, but the least consistent team. This uh, the last nine races was actually Mercedes. That's interesting to me. Yeah, it's wild. Hmm. Um, but they had uh, two Hamilton DNFs, or no, one Hamilton. I don't remember what happened, but uh, Hamilton was the one that was lacking the consistency. 
Okay. Uh, and especially because George Russell got first place during that last yeah. half. I'm sure right. that threw and it that, off too. That would have counted against the standard deviation, yeah. In right. terms of it would have made it higher, even though it was a better result. So Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. I like it. It's kind that. of interesting because you can you can win the most consistent team by being consistently like last place. So Williams was probably up there. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that's uh that's kinda how it shook out. That was quite interesting when I saw the results of that. Definitely. Um, so next up, fourth place in the driver's championship, my guess was Perez. And I had Hamilton. And fourth place went to George Russell. I had the right team at least. Yeah. Absolutely, you did. I'll I'll take it. Um, but yeah, we were both. Yeah, Russell. Off. Russell did really well for his first season with Mercedes. He did. He beat Lewis Hamilton in his first season with Mercedes. That's pretty impressive. An equal machinery. Yep. Pretty pretty impressive. I don't think that got talked about as much as it should have. No, it kind of got swept under the rug. I feel like. Yeah, but it was George it was Russell... really weird seeing Hamilton with a second driver yellow on his yeah. uh, top fin. Yeah, very, very odd. <laughs> um, but uh, so lastly, fourth place in the Constructors' Championship. Hey, look at this. And oh, in it right. We both got it right. We both said Alpine. Love it. So we ended it off on a good note. Both of us get that correct. Um, but uh, that's kind of it for our predictions. Let's go on to the overtake of the season. Uh, this one was kind of hard to choose. Uh, going back through, trying to read read all of our overtakes of the week and uh, trying to figure out which one I thought was the best of the season. Uh, some honorable mentions. Uh, number one was Fernando Alonso on Yuki Tsunoda in Austria. That was the one where he dove down in uh, dove, down, dove down the inside of Tsunoda into turn four with one hand on the wheel and wagging his finger out the side of the car. Ah. Uh because of uh, <laughs> some some shoving that went on earlier on on the street. Austria um, was a good race. I think I remember Austria that. Was, it was a good race, yes. You, uh, Mick Schumacher did really well, if I remember right. I think that was the one where we had like a giant like five-car fight. I don't think it was for the lead, but it, it was for Yeah, the, it might have been, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because there, there was like a five-car fight for two or three laps. It was yeah. awesome. Okay, yeah. Austria and Coda. Those are my favorite races. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so second honorable mention was Charles Leclerc on Lewis Hamilton in Silverstone going around the outside of cops where the Verstappen incident happened in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leclerc basically did the same thing, but trusted Hamilton would not hit him. And that's, <laughs> that's what happened. Um, everybody made it through. Okay. And Leclerc ended up ahead. Uh, this is, uh, it was either this one this one was hard for Silverstone because there was this one and there was also the through goes Hamilton moment. Yeah. Um, but the only reason I didn't include the through goes Hamilton is because both of the drivers in front of him made a mistake, which is what allowed him to go through. So, yeah. We like to see the gutsy ones that yeah. takes real uh, effort from the, the passing driver and not necessarily just a mistake from the passy. Absolutely. Uh, third honorable mention was Russ Chastain in NASCAR taking <laughs> over, overtaking half the field at Martinsville, uh, riding the wall to transfer to the playoffs. <laughs> that will go yeah. down in history. That's ne- yeah, that's never gonna happen again. Never again. Um, that was I almost made that the overtake of the season, but it almost feels like 
kind of cliche almost. I don't know how to. Um, I don't know. That's what everybody. That'll doing. be our. That'll be our runner-up for sure. Yeah. Um, but the overtake of the season, I give it to Joseph Newgarden on willpower at Laguna Seca in the IndyCar finale. It was a dive bomb from literally like four car lengths back into the corkscrew. Oh. Uh, overtake between the two championship leaders. It was such a beauty. Will Power still won the championship because he uh, had the points buffer, but that was an absolute full send from Joseph Newgarden, and Joseph it was so beautiful. Newgarden turned that corkscrew this race or this past Laguna Seca, uh, just into an absolute killing field. Oh, he did. He did it so many times to so many people. The only reason I chose pa- the Will Power one is because it was for the championship. Yeah, didn't he pass like six people? It was something over like the that. Course of the race through the yeah. corkscrew. It's incredible. The corkscrew, if somebody actually does manage to pass the corkscrew IndyCar, it's always going to be an incredible pass. Uh, yeah. You remember Roman Grosjean? Grosjean last going season. airborne? Yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> jumping over the wheels of the car. I don't remember who he did it to. Might have been yeah. I don't remember who. Yeah. Yeah, to come in like fourth. For the Absolutely race. nuts. Yeah, that was yeah. crazy. Um, so, yeah, that is the, the winner of our overtake of the season absolute legendary legendary move there uh, unfortunately did not get him the championship but uh, it was still incredible nonetheless so that kind of wraps up our uh, finale episode the season review episode um this blast this was a blast to do this this podcast i had a ton of fun this year uh one thing i want to announce is next season rev hang will look a little bit different it's going to be the same host that you know and love, but we are going to condense the show to only include F1 and IndyCar. We've kind of noticed over the course of the year that our passion and interests lend primarily with those series, so that's kind of what we want to devote our time and energy to. Episodes will hopefully be a little shorter to make them easier to listen to in one go, um, but I'm hoping to also go a little more in-depth into IndyCar next season. Um, I'm also excited to announce a new podcast that I hope to have up and running by the time we start the next season of Rev Hang. The standing title is Shop Towels Are Better, or Stab for short. Nice. Uh, it's going to be a short-form weekly automotive news show to keep you updated on everything relevant in the world of cars, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, but anyway, thank you everybody so much for listening to this episode and this, the inaugural season of Rev Hang. If you enjoyed it, leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on because it really helps us out. If you'd like to follow our thoughts and opinions on the motorsport world, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RevHangMedia. If you have any thoughts or questions about racing or even about us, post a tweet at hashtag RevHangPodcast, and we may feature your question on the next show next year. You can follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld and or myself at 2N underscore squared. While you're at it, go check out our website, RevHang.com, where you can find the final standings for the racing series we talk about, as well as our predictions throughout the season. We will return in probably about mid-February to kick off the 2023 F1 season. But until then, Ben, do you have any words of wisdom to leave our viewers with over the winter break? Yes, very important. I know we don't all live in snowy climates, but I'd like to talk to you about snow tires. Okay. Snow tires have gotten really good in the past, and there's a there's a difference between studded tires and regular snow tires. Studded tires are really good for if you're experiencing lots of, like, really hard packed snow or ice or something like that, but not really good for anything else. I'm a little biased because I've been running just regular snow tires on my cars essentially since I've been driving, but modern snow tires that are studless are 
way better for the roads. So you don't have to, when it, the time comes, when that tax increase time comes, uh, you know, a little less damage they have to pay for uh, during tax season. Uh, they're quieter, they get better grip in dry conditions, they get better grip in like rainy, non-snowy conditions, and they get the same or better grip in really snowy conditions. So make sure that you're choosing the right winter tire for your climate and what you're doing with your vehicle. Awesome, Ben. Thank you for that that little nugget of information to end the season on. Uh, it's a good one, considering we're all kind of going into winter now. Um, but uh, that is going to do it for the first season of Rev Hang. Thank you all so much again for listening. I have been Nathan. And I've been Ben. Thanks for hanging out. See you guys.